Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Trusting in the risen Christ, let us confess our sin and the misuse of God's creation. God Almighty, we are sorry for the times when we have used your gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. In your mercy, forgive us and help us. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest, but sometimes forget that you have given them to us. In your mercy, forgive us and help us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but ignore the cry of the hungry. In your mercy, forgive us and help us. We are thoughtless and do not care enough for the world you have made. In your mercy, forgive us and help us. We store up goods for ourselves, alone as if there were no God and no heaven. In your mercy, forgive us and help us. Dear friends, hear the good news. God, who was rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. May Almighty God strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ might live in your hearts through faith. Amen. 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 Almighty God, with joy we celebrate the day of our Lord's resurrection. By the grace of Christ among us, enable us to show the power of the resurrection 
in all that we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. First lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 4, 32 to 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. verses 19 to 31. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, 
unless I see the mark of the nails on his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's go. 
Pastor, we can't hear. I can't hear you. I think you're on mute. There we go. It would help if I took myself off mute. In the season of Easter, we start to hear stories from the book of Acts. Acts was written by St. Luke, and it's a sort of sequel to his gospel. The story of Jesus doesn't end with the resurrection and ascension. It keeps going on in this new community of believers who are sent out into the world. If the big question in Luke's gospel is, how is God acting in the life of Jesus? Then the big question in Luke's acts is, how does the resurrection change things? What is possible now that wasn't possible before? And one of the things the resurrection changes are people's beliefs. We used to think X, but now we think Y, because Christ is risen. We used to believe A, but Christ is risen, so now we think B. We're probably used to thinking of our faith in those terms. We understand a group or a community of people or a tradition by what those people believe. But that's not the only way you can understand a community. The other way you could understand a community is to ask, what do you do? You don't just learn a about a community by reading a statement of belief. You learn by watching what their corporate life together looks like. People who study religion call those things practices. And you might think, well, I really don't engage in practices. But we do. We just don't notice them. You put ashes on your forehead. You engage in acts of service. You mark yourself with the sign of the cross. The way you understand a community isn't just by what people tell you they believe, but by actually watching what they do. And part of what makes the book of Acts so interesting, as we'll discover over the next few weeks, is that it's about unpacking the relationship between beliefs and practices. And exploring not just how the resurrection changes what we believe, but also how it changes what we practice. And if you want to get really fun, how the things we practice shape what we believe. Now, the reading we heard today is quite obviously about practices. You probably heard this reading and focused in on the part about selling possessions and distributing wealth. That's a pretty clear, obvious sort of practice to engage in. But there's also a belief that's the foundation of this whole thing. And the belief is right there in the first verse of today's reading. It even uses the word belief in it. Those who believed were of one heart and soul. So already we have one answer to the question, what does the resurrection change? It changes who we consider ourselves to be. It brings us together with other people and creates new connections and new relationships that are so deep and so profound it's as if they're written on our hearts, as if they're a part of us, one heart and one soul. The Greek word for this is koinonia, which we would translate as fellowship or unity. But it's not just unity, like agreeing to get along or passing a vague agreement on paper. It actually suggests that as fellow members of the body of Christ, we share in one another's experiences. Our lives are sort of wrapped up with one another. That your joys are my joys. And when I see your suffering, it hurts me too. Koinonia tells us that when we're joined to the body of Christ, 
we aren't just joined with people who live in our zip code or go to our church or hang out in our social circles. The body of Christ that we're joined to is bigger than our own experience of life. So the resurrection changes what we consider to be in our self-interest. And it does that, here's a fun bank shot, not by slightly improving our interests, but by radically changing our sense of self, of who we consider ourselves to be and whose experiences affect us. There's a greeting card I keep in my desk here from James Martin, who's a Jesuit priest. He's a friend of Father Stevens, actually. And on the front of the card, it says, there is no them, there is only us. And that's sort of the point here, that because of the resurrection, we never encounter a story as something that's happening to them, but always as something that's happening to us. Let me give you an example of this. The other day I was watching the news and there was a story about migrants fleeing gang violence in Guatemala. And they're interviewing these families living in a park in Mexico near the US border. And as you watch the report, you have all these identities that are being activated in your head. In my case, I'm an American, I'm a consumer, I'm a voter, I have my own political agenda. All that stuff is front of mind when you're thinking about how we relate to them. But then they show a Mexican pastor praying with the families and it sort of snaps you out of it. That's not them, that's us. And that isn't to say that the only people we should care about are people who are like us in some way. But it is to say that the things that are most important about us often aren't the things that are most readily apparent. And that the body of Christ that we're joined into isn't constrained by our own designs or imaginations. And whenever I try to write off or excuse myself from someone else's salvation, I'm really cutting myself off from the risen Christ. That's what unity, what a belief in koinonia is all about. And that belief is really key if you want to understand the practice in the story. Sometimes we summarize the story as wealthy people in the early church gave away all their possessions. But that's not quite right. Because you notice they didn't give them away. In the same way that when you buy food for a child or medicine for your parent, you don't say that you're giving your money away. We only use that language of giving things away for people we feel like we have no real stake in, whose lives really don't affect us that much. You give your money away when you want the tax credit. But because this community believes in koinonia, they understand that giving things away isn't a possibility anymore that in the light of the resurrection, they understand they're giving it to their fellow members of the body of Christ. So they use their possessions to bring people closer, to make their community more reflective of the kingdom of God. Willie Jennings, who's a really excellent theologian, puts it this way. The church uses money, quote, to destroy what money normally is used to create distance and boundaries between people. And that's really the key point in this story. That's the gospel. It's not giving money away. 
You don't need resurrection to give money away. You need resurrection to bring people together. That's what resurrection changes and what koinonia is all about. So to go back to our first question, is koinonia a belief or a practice? And the answer, of course, is, well, both. It's a belief about our relationships with other people, that our stories and our futures are all wrapped up with one another's, and it's a practice. We practice koinonia whenever we build up the body of Christ beyond our own narrow self-interest. Koinonia is a belief and it's a practice, but more important than either, it's a gift. That in all times and all places, we too are being formed and reformed into the body of the risen Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me? When I call, is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me? When I call, is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He
invite you to unmute yourself as we join the church around the world, confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seen the Father, and he will come to judge the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of God, the resurrection of the Alive in the risen Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring our prayers before God who promises to hear us and answer in steadfast love. You shower your church with grace, O God. Unite the whole church on earth so that with one heart it testifies to the resurrection of Christ with power and love. Hear us, O God. You proclaim the blessing of life forevermore. Like dew upon the mountains, refresh your creation. Restore waters, cleanse air, and provide moisture to parched land. Give your whole creation the promise of new life. Hear us, O God. You direct the nations, O God. Guide all in authority that they might shepherd their peoples in the way of your love. Defeat in us your, our impulse to war. Bestow the peace of Christ upon those in authority and breathe upon them the Holy Spirit. We pray especially this week for the people of Bulgaria, Hungary, and Romania. Hear us, O God. You place within the heart of your church a spirit of sharing. Give us the power of your generous spirit that we may provide for the needs of others. Announce your peace to those who are lonely, hurting, suffering, and afraid. If you have any other petitions, I invite you to offer those at this time. Please help my son. Alfred. My mom. Hear us, O God. O oh Lord, grant us the gift of unity of the spirit so that loyal to our confession, culture, and nation, we may discover new forms of common Christian witness and stand before a divided world as a united and humble fellowship. Hear us, O oh God. Have mercy. With thanksgiving, we remember those who have died. Keep us in communion with all the saints until we at last find our rest in you. Hear us, O God. We offer these prayers in the name of the one who meets us in our doubts, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. God's peace. Peace be with you all. Now, welcome to our friends in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Thank you.
Let us pray. Almighty God, you meet us as a stranger and welcome us as friends. Receive our lives and the gifts we offer. Abide with us and send us in service to a suffering world. <clears throat> For the sake of your beloved child, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And may the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is We give you thanks, Father, through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, whom you sent in this end of the ages to save and redeem us and to proclaim to us your will. He is your word inseparable from you, through whom you created all things and in whom you take delight. He is your word sent from heaven to a virgin's womb. He there took on our nature and our lot and was shown forth as your son, born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. He, our Lord Jesus, fulfilled all your will and won for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands in suffering in order to free from suffering those who trust you. He is the one who handed over to a death he freely accepted in order to destroy death, to break the bonds of the evil one, to crush hell underfoot, to give light to the righteous, to establish his covenant and to show forth the resurrection. Taking bread and giving thanks to you said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering then his death and resurrection, we take this bread and cup giving you thanks that you have made us worthy to stand before you and serve you as your priestly people. Send your spirit upon these gifts of your church. Gather into one all who share this bread and wine. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to establish our faith in truth, that we may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Taste and see the Lord is good.
Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks that while we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. And we whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Amen. Amen. time we open things up for any announcements joys and concerns did anyone have anything they want to share with the congregation i see none i have a few brief things and then one bigger thing i want to talk about um, the brief things are we have sunday school confirmation this afternoon at four uh, donations for lutheran world relief i was hoping we'd have more in-person things during holy week so we'll accept those through the end of this month uh, and then just a reminder, whenever we are outdoor, it, it will happen at some point that we'll have a nice day and we can be outside. Um, those streams will all be on YouTube and they'll show up as worship live stream. 
you just click the icon, it takes you right there. Uh, the bigger thing I wanna talk about today, a couple of people have reached out to me about why we aren't having church indoors right now. And so I wanna give you some information that I think might be helpful. Two, two things to be aware of. One is I apologize for not communicating some of this well enough. I've been sort of in the weeds on this for a year and I assume people have sort of read all the guidelines and that's often not the case. And so I apologize about that. Uh, I also understand people's fatigue. I'm also a person. I've also had to change my life over the past year. So I, you know, Hebrew says that, you know, you have a priest who can sympathize with your frustrations. And, you know, that's true. Uh, a few things for you to know. The New Jersey Synod recommends that you don't resume indoor worship until case rates are four per 100,000 per day. New Jersey right now, as of last night, was at 46. So you're about 10 times the case level that the Synod recommends. We have the second highest case rate in the nation right now. Um, one other thing you should be aware of is that COVID exposures and protocols are still going to be an issue. Uh, last week, I was out because I wasn't feeling well. That is going to be the normal for a while when you have sort of plans and then you have to change because people are exposed or they're not feeling well. That's just sort of where we are right now. Um, we have about 25% of the population vaccinated right now. Most of those are older folks and people in high risk conditions, which is good. Uh, but hopefully as that number goes up, it'll drive down the case numbers. I think it's important for you to remember if we had indoor worship right now, it would be extremely restrictive. Um, you would have no communal singing, no communion, no unison speaking. So you wouldn't be allowed to say the Lord's prayer or the creed together. You would not be allowed to talk to people indoors who you were not already close to them because we have to restrict the way people move. Um, in, indoor church would look absolutely nothing like normal church. It would basically just be me giving a homily and shushing people. Um, outdoor worship, as you know, if you've been to outdoor worship here, you can mill around, you can talk to people, we can be looser with some of the rules on speaking and music. Um, out, outdoor church looks way more like normal church than indoor church would. Um, and outdoor worship also works for a wide variety of people. There are a lot of people who will come to outdoor worship uh, who would not come indoors right now. And so outdoors helps us be with the broadest number of people, especially including kids who can't be vaccinated and won't be for a while. Um, so that's why we've defaulted to outdoors. The last thing I would remind you of, uh, I am on the board of Crossroads. I'm the vice president. Crossroads is having summer camp this summer. If something goes wrong at Crossroads this summer and someone brings legal action or there's issues with the public, I am responsible. Your council here is responsible for what happens at church. Uh, so the question isn't, do you feel comfortable attending an indoor worship service? The question is, do the people who are bearing the legal responsibility for this feel comfortable putting their names on that? Uh, and I would always back counsel because they're the people who are taking that responsibility. And if you want someone to be mad at, you should be mad at me. You should not be mad at counsel. Uh, a few things I want to remind you in closing, sorry for the Ascension folks, this is more than you signed up for. I know we're all fatigued right now, we're all frustrated right now. Sometimes when I get fatigued and frustrated, I make a list of positive things. 
These are a list of positive things you should be aware of. We have a large outdoor space where we can host gatherings. We could probably fit up to 40 or 50 people outside. Lots of churches don't, and they're gonna to have to jump right back to indoors. We are very fortunate that we have the space we do. We have the ability to live stream because people have been generous with their giving. We have good quality live streams that we can provide for outdoor services. We've had lots of people who remain engaged with congregational life here. We have some people who've actually made more new connections during the pandemic than they've had before. We've had new people joining us in worship during the pandemic. The Love Fund and CFA continue to provide assistance to people who are affected by the pandemic. Uh, Fred from Cornerstone and I recently finished working with a client we worked with for over a year who was having trouble getting stable housing and putting food on the table. So we're able to serve our neighbors. The last thing to my knowledge, the number of Advent members who have been hospitalized with or killed by COVID-19 so far is zero. Uh, I invite you to receive the blessing and dismissal. God of our salvation, you have restored us to life. You have brought us back again into your love by the triumphant death and resurrection of Christ. Continue to heal us as we go to live and work in the power of your spirit to your praise and glory. And may almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and live in unity. Thanks be to Thanks God. Be to God. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful Thank you, everyone.